Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 21 through 43. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. As you're opening there, uh, let me just say uh, Happy Mother's Day to all uh, the mothers here today. And let me also just say a word to those of you for whom this is a difficult day. Um, I really sincerely mean that I've made it a point to pray for you this morning. And there are all kinds of reasons why it might be difficult. And for most of us here, I would guess, uh, this day's got mixed feelings. That we miss somebody and are thankful and a whole bag of emotions. And so what better place, though, um, to come and to be than with God's people um, here at First Baptist Church. So thank you for being here this morning on Mother's Day. And uh, let's look, turn our attention now to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. If you have your Bibles open there, would you go ahead and stand with me, if you're able, uh, out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Mark writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us, beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea then came one of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name and seeing him he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying my little daughter is at the point of death come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live and he went with him And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they had said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother 
and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank You for Jesus and His mercy. And God, we pray we would receive it today by grace through faith. Let us be changed by this text. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Ten years ago, our life was a lot different. Uh, I bet your life was some, somewhat at least different ten years ago. Ours was a lot different. We were living in rural Kentucky, right outside Louisville, thinking about and planning at this point, as long as you would have voted us in, moving to Gadsden with a little baby girl. And so we had a little five- or six-month-old baby girl at this point ten years ago. When Whitney was pregnant with her, I can remember, and, and some of you may know this feeling, I can remember being worried a lot, just having a lot of anxiety over having a pregnant wife. If we can just get past 12 weeks, I would think, then I just won't have to worry anymore. I could just get over this. We could just get past 12 weeks, the worrying will be over. And then I remember thinking, if we could just get to that third trimester, I don't think I'd have to worry anymore. And then I remember thinking, if we could just get this baby born, thankfully I can stop worrying. And then finally we got, if I could just get this baby to six months, I think I could stop worrying. And by the time it was all over with, I realized and just gave up, I'm just going to be worrying for a long time. There's no moment of relief, is there, when you're a parent? A few weeks ago, Whitney and I were having a conversation. It's Mother's Day, and oftentimes we'll preach to mothers and fathers together during this time, something on parenthood. And this was something Whitney and I kind of went through as parents in a different stage of parenting. I'm a pastor, obviously, and so um, um, Whitney and I were talking, and she sort of just stopped and looked at me and said, Matt, I worry a lot that none of our kids have been saved yet. Just think about it. This is several weeks ago. It was this year, though, just a couple months ago, maybe. She said, I worry a lot that none of our kids are saved. It just troubled her as a mom. And I, I'll tell you this, the time I spend uh, with women and the conversations I have with women um, and the things women are trying to balance, I realize that fear and guilt and all these things are things that women in particular and mothers, most especially perhaps, are struggling with all the time. There's even a word, we talk about mom guilt a lot. And we just sort of worry a little bit. But even then, we went from, is this kid going to live to is this kid going to be born again? Our fears changed over the years. In fact, I began writing this sermon after that conversation, asking the Lord to help provide a word of comfort for mothers who are anxious, parents who are anxious over their children. I've had countless conversations with moms of every age about worrying over their children. It's understandable. And I've had conversations with grandmothers who are still anxious over their children, wondering about their children. I'm sure many of you are anxious this morning, anxious for your own kids. Some of you are pregnant. Um, anxious every time you feel a pain in your side or your back, afraid it might be something wrong with your growing child. We've been there. 
Maybe you're not a parent, but you're anxious over a niece or nephew. Maybe you're anxious over your adult children. My mom wears Life 360 out. Always trying to figure out where all the kids are, even though we're grown up. Sometimes mom will call and say, what'd you go there for lunch for or something, you know? And I'm like, mom, get off Life 360. Leave me alone. We're anxious over whether we'll even have a child, perhaps some of you. Anxious over the future all of our children will grow up in. There's so much to worry about. There's so much to be anxious about. But Christ's remedy for fear is not to say, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff's going to happen. There's nothing to be worried about. Christ's remedy for fear is for you to put your faith and your trust in Him. This morning... I want to show you three truths that I think will help you move from fear to faith in Christ. Three truths that will help calm your anxiety over your children. But I think these truths apply for all sorts of things. So you may have to do the mental math to figure it out. But they apply beyond just parents. But I want to encourage you though, particularly moms and dads, parents, grandmothers and grandfathers. I want to show you three truths that I think will help calm your anxiety bolster your faith in Jesus. Here's the first point I want you to see this morning. It's this. Jesus loves your children. Jesus loves your children. You know the song already, right? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. But Jesus loves your children. You see, we find ourselves here in a section of Mark where Mark is demonstrating the lordship of Christ and the messianic nature of his ministry and he's displaying them in very clear ways. In fact, this uh, passage comes right on the heels of a passage you're probably familiar with where Jesus casts demons out of a man and they then go into a herd of pigs there and they're cast into the sea. But here we see the way Jesus is walking through a sin-swept, sin-ruined world. A broken world, if you will. And He's walking through them in His ministry on His way to the cross ultimately. And He's showing in small stories and small pictures what He will one day do in total through His work in the crawl on the cross all over the cosmos. But for now, He's just delivering little pockets of the world, showing deliveries from the fall. And here we find ourselves in a section where Jesus is healing the sick. It begins with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, coming to Jesus. Jesus was not so popular with the synagogue, and much less the synagogue rulers. And so it had to be a moment of desperation for Jairus to come. Perhaps he was simply a man of faith who believed in Jesus, like we do see some of those. But at any rate, to come publicly to Jesus in this way, while people were thronged around him, was something that seems as if it would have been a little bit of a risk for Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he comes up to Jesus. And I want you to notice something in uh, verse 23. He implored him earnestly after falling at his feet, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jesus is surrounded with folks. There are needs 
everywhere. Sometimes I think about just the needs in our little pocket of the world here in Gadsden. And I get overwhelmed thinking about all the needs around us. Some of us get overwhelmed with the needs just even in our own family. There are so many needs. And Jesus is surrounded by all these needs. And what does He do? I love the way the Bible says this. Verse 24, it's so simple. And He went with Him. Jairus comes, he falls at his feet. He says, please help my little girl. There are people everywhere. And what does Jesus do? He, dro- he stops and goes. He drops everything and he goes with him. My friends, there's no simpler truth, but also none more comforting for a parent. Jesus loves your children. Here he demonstrates the love and care he has for Jairus' daughter. There are lots of ways to show you're the Messiah, but Jesus chooses to stop and to go heal this little girl. He loves your kids more than you love your kids. You see, I think we spend so much time as adult Christians fighting to rest in the grace and love of Christ for ourselves, right? I mean, we've just got done preaching uh, this year through the book of Galatians and I remember thinking as I was preaching through Galatians, man, I am fighting trusting myself more than I thought I was. I have to wrestle my heart to trust Jesus. And so sometimes I think we're so busy doing it for ourselves, we don't even get to the kids. Trust in Jesus for our children. But I want to encourage you to rest in the grace and love of Christ for your children as well. Jesus loves them. So often I think that we find ourselves worried about them going out into the world, worried about them in this situation, worried about them in that situation. But what if a lot of that worry and fear is, and I want to say it's very graciously, but it's something I've had to learn myself. Some of that worry and fear may be a lack of trust in Jesus' love for them. And that there are things you would want to protect and shield your child from that you're afraid God won't protect and shield your child from. And I want to encourage you in the thought that He loves them more than you do. And so we can't protect our children the way we want to all the time and forever. And we find ourselves oftentimes worried and fearful that they're going to go through this or go through that. It's understandable. I hate to see my children hurt. But at the same time, my friends, my brothers and sisters, Jesus loves your kids. And He loves them more than you do. Second of all, Jesus has mercy to spare. Jesus has mercy to spare. A great crowd followed Jesus after he committed to go along with Jairus. A great great crowd followed him and the Bible says thronged about him. There's a, a real intense scene around Jesus. People are coming around him. They're pressing in. It's sort of pandemonium all around Jesus. And a woman comes up. The Bible says she had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, first of all, this is a frustrating situation. It's a a horrible medical condition to be in. But on top of that, according to the law, this woman would have been ceremonially unclean for the totality of this time. So she was cut off from her culture and worship and things that are important in her life in addition to having to deal with this medical malady. But notice what she says as she presses in to Jesus in the midst of this crowd. I want you to see verse 28. Verse 28. 
Bible says this, for she said, she comes up and touches his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Do you see this beautiful word of faith? For 12 years, this woman has spent all her money on doctors. She had done all sorts of things. Now listen, our doctors today are better than the doctors then. But she had gone all that she could, done all that she could to try to make herself well. It would not happen. It was impossible, so it seemed. And so now she found herself having spent all that she had, and she was no better, but in fact, things had gotten worse. And yet she believes with all the world's wisdom already done and all the world's money that she had already spent, she believes in her heart, all I have to do is touch His garments and I will be healed. What a word of faith. What a beautiful picture of trust. And what she hoped for, she could feel it instantly, what she hoped for came true in verse 29. And in verse 30, Jesus feels this power go out from Him, healing the woman. And then what does He say? Who touched my garments? The woman comes, bows down before Him, thanks Him, tells Him the whole truth. And He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. My friends, Jesus has mercy to spare. He has all the time He needs to be merciful. Some of us might look at this and say, man, you would have thought if He was going to heal Jairus' daughter, He should have gone on to heal Jairus' daughter instead of dealing with something else. But my friends, Jesus' mercy is not a zero-sum game. When He's merciful to someone else, it in no way robs mercy from you. He has mercy of infinite supply. And on top of that, it has compounding interest. Jesus' mercy never runs dry. Stopping for a moment to show mercy to someone else doesn't stop His mercy for Jairus' daughter. It only compounds mercy. There's more mercy. There's more grace to be had where that came from. And though this delay, as we'll see in a moment... Made it seem as if, and I think Mark is highlighting this intentionally, makes it seem as if because he stopped to heal Jairus' daughter. We see elsewhere in the Gospels a similar situation happening in the healing of Lazarus. It seems like because he stopped to heal this woman with the issue of blood, that perhaps he's too late to heal Jairus' daughter. But Jesus has all the time he needs to be merciful. Jesus has all the power He needs to be merciful. He's dripping with mercy. When someone so much as touches the hem of His garment by faith, instantaneously mercy goes out to them. His power goes and makes them well. And this is a woman who, when touching Jesus, it should have made Jesus unclean according to the ceremonial law. And yet Christ is so rich with mercy. He's so rich with grace. He's dripping with it. The opposite happens when she reaches out to touch Him rather than making Him unclean. Power and mercy and grace goes out to her and makes her whole and well. Jesus has all the power He needs to be merciful. He has all the willingness He needs to be merciful. Wherever Jesus goes, mercy follows. Grace follows. And even there in the midst of a crowd surrounding Him, His mercy found this woman. Brothers and sisters, you can trust that Jesus 
wants to be merciful to your children. And just because you see other people receive mercy, just because you see other people experience things from Jesus, that doesn't mean that there isn't mercy to spare. There's plenty more where that came from. And that brings us to our final point this morning. You can entrust your children to Jesus. You can entrust your children to Jesus. As he's speaking to the woman, verse 35 shows us, there came from the ruler's house, from Jairus' house, some who said, your daughter is dead. It's not who you want coming to tell you. It could have been a little kinder, I think. You know, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I mean, this is certainly the world's wisdom. This guy's busy. He's got other folks to heal. He's got other things to do. Look at all these people. Let's not waste his time anymore. The, the girl's dead. These might have been the people who had already told him, why even go? I don't know. But maybe that's the case. Maybe there are people who discouraged him from going. These are certainly folks who come up and say, why trouble the teacher any further? It's time to give up. Stop trusting. But Jesus overheard what they said, verse 36, and he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear. Only believe. Your daughter is sick and you came and thrust yourself down before me and now your worst fears have been realized. How trite it might seem to hear Jesus say something like that. My daughter is dead. And what does he say? Do not fear, only believe. And I bet some of you even read the title of this sermon. You thought, it's Mother's Day and he's going to try to get me not to fear and to trust Jesus and he just doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know what I'm experiencing. He doesn't know what it's like to go through this challenge, to have this kind of anxiety. I would never dare to presume to tell you not to fear when there are things to be afraid of. I would never, fe- I would never dare to presume to belittle whatever it is you might be going through. But I can tell you this. I trust Jesus. And when He says, do not fear, only believe, I really think He means it. He narrows the crowd down in verse 37, taking only some of His closest disciples. And as they get there to Jairus' home in verse 38, they encounter weeping and wailing mourners. There's another calamity, a commotion happening. There's activity happening And he narrows the crowd again after he's mocked. Because what does he say? The little girl's not dead. She's only sleeping. And everyone laughs at him. And so he takes only the family and his closest followers in to her bedside. And I want you to see what happens. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. My friends, you can trust Jesus with your kids. 
You can trust Jesus with your children. He loves them. He cares for them. You can entrust them to Him. I wouldn't entrust them to this world. I, I certainly wouldn't send them out into this world without imparting some wisdom to them. I have to tell my kids a lot, listen, it's not that, it's not that we don't love you, it's not that we don't trust you. You just don't have the wisdom you need to navigate the situation. So in this situation, it's best to just listen to Dad. There'll be a day when I can't do that anymore. There'll be a day when I can't watch them like I watch them now. I hope and pray that on that day I'll entrust my children to Christ, to Jesus. Are you anxious over their future? Give their future to Jesus. Do you wish they'd make better decisions? I won't ask anybody to raise hands. Why don't you ask Jesus to give them wisdom? Do you worry for their health? Hand your worries for their bodies over to the one who raises bodies from the dead. You can and you should trust Jesus with your kids. You don't have to be afraid. Now listen, I want you to know you can be concerned. You can be earnest. I'm not... Telling you to be like, oh, Jesus is going to take care of them anyway. No, let's, let's take parenting seriously. Let's in, invest in our children. Let's work hard for them. Let's work hard with them. You can be all sorts of things, but I want you to know not only that you shouldn't be afraid, but I want you to know you don't have to fear. You can trust Jesus. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Trust Jesus with your children. We serve a Christ who speaks life to a little girl. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And God's able to raise her from the dead. He speaks to her. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And what happens? She lives. And brothers and sisters, some of you say, my child is too far gone. I've prayed for them for years and the Lord's not answered. I don't know that He... What's harder for Jesus to do? To forgive sins or to raise the dead? He's able. He's capable. I had a seminary professor who always reminded us, for those of you who think hope is lost, he would always say, what about the thief on the cross? Where do you think his family thought he went when he died? Hold out hope. Never stop praying. Jesus is merciful Jesus will save. We serve a Christ who speaks life to a little girl. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And I tell you, as an anxious father, my sweet wife, who was anxious too, we also serve a Christ who can whisper into the heart of a little girl. Talitha Kumai. Little girl, I say to you, arise from the death of your sins into newness of life. We're all anxious over our children. Worried. Troubled, perhaps. Deeply so. But I want you to know this morning, Jesus loves your kids more than you love your kids. Jesus has mercy to spare. He's not going to run out of mercy. He's not going to run out of grace. He's not going to get sick of loving people. He's not going to get sick of saving people. He has mercy 
to spare. My friends, you can trust your children to Jesus. Remember what the hymn says. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Twas mom and dad that brought me... No. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me on. Brothers and sisters, you can entrust your children to Jesus. Though there be dangers and toils and snares all around us, these are the things that keep us awake at night. Remember these things and remember that we serve a Christ who spoke to a little girl. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And to you today, maybe He has another word to speak. On Mother's Day 2022, in the midst of all that's going on in the world, perhaps the word of Christ to you today is, do not fear, only believe. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, what a joy it would be for me today to get to either talk to you about the good news of Jesus and you come down and I say to you, if you'll turn from your sins and repentance and turn to God through faith in Jesus, I believe you will be saved. Or for you to come even today and share with me the good news that that's something you've already done. You don't need me and you sure don't need the front of this church for Jesus to save you. He's got mercy way outside here. But I do believe that He's ready to save you if you'll only believe. Second of all, you may be looking for a church home. What a joy it would be to, for me to welcome you here to First Baptist Church. Talk to you this morning if you have questions about what it means to be a member here. It would be my joy to get to talk to you. But finally, you may be a believer. You may say, Pastor, I just need a few moments to pray. You can do it right where you are. You can kneel there at your pew. You can come down here. You can sit there. Whatever it is you need to do this morning to do business with the Lord. If you need someone to talk to, I'll be right here. But otherwise, I want to invite you to do business with the Lord. And after this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.